This is an ABC podcast. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. Fakalofala here too and welcome to Can You Be More Pacific? I'm Dean Hullatow and as always I'm joined by the awesome Serenangama. Bola Dean and Bola to all of our listeners. We've got a jam-packed show for you. We'll be joined by Cassie Siatangi from the Manusia 15s. You can ask that we uncover a couple of issues around equality slash player distribution. Plus Dean also sits down with one of our new reporters on the ground, Patricia Kiamo. Hala, it's been a minute. I wasn't here last week but Kenny did a cracker job but after that, how was your week? Uh, weekend was good. Bit of footy on the weekend, as always. Going as to the always. footy, yeah, watching footy, watching my daughter play on Sunday. My son played on Saturday. I actually like. I love going to the NRL games, but I love going to watch the kids play on the weekend because I get to get like a sausage, bacon, and egg sandwich at the footy. It's my That's elite. barbecue sauce. It's so good. Elite business. When I was young, they had like hot chip rolls as well. They don't have them anymore at the footy at the local footy. I'm going to lobby to bring it back. Love you to bring it back. Love you to bring back the hot, the chip sandwiches. Hot yeah, chip and sandwiches. then like also like um, mashed peas on top of meat pies. Have you had one of those? No, see, I'm not a big fan of peas. Oh, I don't really okay. rate that. I'll drop that. Okay. You can cop it. I'll drop it. <laughs> Fair enough. What about you, Sarah? How was, how was the weekend? Uh, the weekend oh, the was week. awesome. I mean, we'll talk a little bit about the Wallaroos uh, results later on, but of course it was a win for us, which was nice because Fijiana certainly broke my heart throughout Super W, so it was nice to be able to put one on them, particularly on home soil. But the come down of being on tour has been so real. I have been immensely fatigued. <laughs> and, I, and I'm telling you, like I've been having eight to nine hours sleeps. I've jumped in the sauna, jumped in the ocean. I've stretched. I've gotten massages. I just can't shake the fatigue. And then my SNC said to me, it's because it's the come down after tour. Yeah, because you, you find the energy when you're in camp because there's so much excitement about what's going on. Right? Yeah. And then you come back and you're like, Mah. But, you know, ain't no life better than mine. Grateful, grateful, <laughs> grateful. <laughs> Let's get stuck into sport. Firstly, I guess this is fantastic news, but congratulations to 19-year-old Raphael Lea'i from the Solomon Islands who played his first full match as a professional football player in the European football. Yeah, we've we've covered this before. So Raphael has headed across um, to play for FK Velez Mostar, and that's in the Premier League of Bosnia, Herzegovina. Herzegovina, that's a hard run for me to say. But um, well done to Raphael because, uh, as you mentioned, he got to play his first full game. He's had a few starts. He's, he, well, he's had a few games for uh, Velez Mostar, but it's the first time that he started the game and played the entire um, match. So that's probably a good step. 19 years of age to be playing in a European league and to be working his way up into a full-time, well, a a full match is is probably a sign of where things are headed for him. That's really exciting. And I think both of us can remember the first time we got our first start. So that's really, really cool for him. So hopefully more to come. Over to netball, the Fiji Men's Championship was held. It was a final held between two super clubs, CBM and alumni and alumni emerged with a victorious score of 23 to 17. Yeah, this was uh, the, the men's championship, which took place over the weekend uh, from last week and 12 teams competed, uh, which is a, a, a jump from eight that competed last year. We spoke on the show last week to the Nepal Fiji uh, CEO, Vivian Costa, and uh, talked about the growth of men's Nepal in Fiji and uh, it was on display in the men's championship. As you mentioned, alumni getting the win 23 to 17, uh, tight match by the sounds of it. That's also some heavy bragging rights there. There are two silver clubs, a lot of pride. Yes. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Sticking with Nepal, they actually used this opportunity to certify some of their top umpires with Nepal NZC Awards. Yes, Charlene Morrill, um, she's the umpire lead for 
Netball Northern in New Zealand, made a way across for the championships. And the, the purpose of that was to um, provide some coaching opportunities and some learning opportunities for Fijian uh, umpires on the ground um, using all the matches that were played, as you mentioned, to provide some feedback and, and help grow um, umpiring as um, in the elite level, I guess, in, in netball and, and to get that qualification of the NZC award. So good progress for umpires. And if you have strong officials in the game, then no doubt the, the games themselves, um, the level will improve and that just drags the whole competition up. Yeah, and what I really love most about this story is that Netball Fiji is considering sending some of their umpires to the Pacific Games in Solomon Islands later this year. So it's cool if there's something um, much bigger like a tournament as a Pacific Games um, to be a part of. So Huge stuff from Netball Fiji, I reckon. Very good move. Now, jumping across from the court to the field and in the NRL round 12, the Indigenous round took place last weekend. And the reason I want to chat about this is because it was the weekend of upsets. So many um, so many teams that were not backed to win got up. Uh, I'll start with the Dragons versus the Roosters on Friday night. Uh, Roosters heavily backed going in this game. Dragons had a tough week with the, the loss of their coach. Well, they sacked their coach, um, Anthony Griffin, last week. Usually when teams have that, there's a little bit of a bounce back immediately after losing your coach, and um, they managed to bounce back the Dragons, and it was a last-minute try to Matt Finge. 15 metres out, still the last play. Terrell Swain, a cross-field kick, and the ball is bounced. Oh! Goal area, and holy nelly! It's picked up and scoring is Matt Finge! Something for nothing! Dragons score! It's awarded and has been on field. Louis. Game set. Bingo put a fork in me. I can't cope anymore. <laughs> that is an incredible call from Maureen. Very, very good from Maureen. Put a fork in me. <laughs> 24-22. The Dragons finished on top of that one. Zach Lomax kicked the goal after the siren. Other upsets the same night. The Eels 36 beat the South Sydney Rabbitohs 16. Uh, and then... Saturday, I was at this one. The Tigers, 66 points over the Cowboys, 18. The most um, probably prominent thing in that game was the scoreline. It's, it's the most points that the Tigers have ever scored as a as a club, including their foundation clubs, uh, Balmain and West, uh, the Western Suburbs Magpies. And then on Sunday, it was wrapped up with uh, the Bulldogs beating the Titans, 20 points to 18. Jaden Ockenbaugh scored late to draw level, and then they kicked the goal uh, to win the game. So weekend of upsets in the NRL. It truly is. Tigers 66. I can't get over that. Yeah, I think Spriggy got sick of calling tries at the end of the game. There's so many to them, but um, it was a really good performance. Luke Brooks, 200, 200 games as well. So very Special. happy for him to get a good result on that uh, in that game. Now, the Origin teams were picked on uh, last week for the women's and on Sunday for the men's. Um, but any surprises, Sarah, for the Queensland and the New South Wales teams? Uh, I think for the Queensland men's, it's just really good to see Hamiso Tabuafido included. He's had an outstanding season and I think his inclusion is just a recognition of all the hard work. So keen to see what he will do there. Looking at the New South Wales men's side, um, no surprises there, in all honesty. I expected to see those names there purely because they've been there many a time before. But what about you? Before we jump to the women's, I'm more excited about the women's, admittedly, but what about you from the men's side? Yeah, well, with Queensland, as you mentioned, it's good to see uh, Hamaso Tabiofido get his centre position. He's been on fire for the Dolphins. Um, David Fafida has, has re-emerged after playing some really good footy for the Titans. And Tino is is named on the bench. Tino Fasul Malawi. Probably Reese Walsh taking the fullback spot from Calum Ponga is um, a big one. Uh, he's had a great season for the Broncos. 
Broncos, Reese, Kalen, probably not quite to where he wants to be. He's had some really good moments, um, but um, Reese just pipping him for the fullback spot. Flip over to New South Wales. Tavita Pangai Jr. is the big, the big bolter. Uh, come out of nowhere to be picked. There was rumours about this happening a little while ago, maybe a couple of weeks ago. But um, yeah, Coach Brad Fittler's wants his aggression, wants his presence on the field, I guess, kind of like the origin uh, mould that you want. So Tavita gets his opportunity. Um, Apisike Roysau, he knocked out Damien Cook. I know he was there last year, um, Appy, but Damien Cook was sort of maybe edging towards getting the spot back, but Appy's had a great season uh, for the Tigers, in, like in a struggling team. Is it true that Appy may be not playing purely because of some injury and they're saying that Jerome Luai could be jumping into the hooker position or was that just no, fake news? I, I think what, what's going to happen is uh, they need maybe some cover for nine. I don't right. know if, if Appy can get the whole game out. So, And, and they've got Nico Hines on the bench. So it'll be how do they bring Nico on and move things around to, to give him some game time. So I think um, I think that's what's going to happen. I think Nico will come on, Jerome maybe go into into nine for a little bit. Right. Um, and probably Tyson Frizzell coming back to the team since uh, first time back in the squad since 2020. So uh, an old veteran gets his, uh, gets his crack. It's going to be a cracker. Yes, looking forward to it. Looking at the women's origin selections, New South Wales have named Talia Fuimo Ono. Uh, she has never been included in the New South Wales side before, so this is hugely exciting. She joins the likes of Tiana Penatani, Kennedy Charrington, and Sarah Tongatuki. Not sure why my Matafa is She's not included. Injured. Uh, She's injured. Yeah, that's a big, that's a big miss. That's for a the, big loss for them. Yeah, that, they're, they're going to lose a lot of go forward and some leadership in the middle, and plus her minutes. She knocks out like almost a full game every time. So. The girl's got a tank. She has, yes, yeah, certainly. <laughs> She's certainly got a tank. But in Queensland, uh, we see Ivania Politi, Zahara Tamara, Shannon Mato, Destiny Brill, Tasman Gray. And great to see a new name added to the list, China Polasa. She's only 21 years old, played for the Brisbane. Broncos a few seasons back, but has earned her weight inclusion into this squad. Yeah, she was a part of also the, the junior Queensland reps a few years ago as well, and has um, been playing well in the Queensland Cup competition up there. So, what well on to China on that selection in the Queensland side. Uh, both some very strong-looking sides. Uh, Zahara Tamara, who's a veteran of the game, um, she's going to offer great leadership. Shannon Mato, who you know quite well, great up front, will lead them around the field quite well. I think she's been really good in Origin Tough Series middle. as well. Very tough middle. Um, so, yeah, the, both teams are stacked. Um, obviously, the, the loss of Samaya Matalfa and the New South Wales team, they're going to have to find some leadership somewhere else in the middle forwards. Uh, I'm sure uh, our friend Kennedy can provide that. I'm sure she's got heaps of energy to provide and make up for it. <laughs> Turning our attention to Chanel Harris-Tavita, he has announced that he'll be returning to the Warriors on a two-year deal after taking a year off from the game. Yeah, he took a sabbatical, uh, Chanel Harris-Tavita. He was, he's a really good player. Like He's tough. He plays above his weight. Um, he's got good control in his game as a half. He can cover fullback if he has to because he does have that toughness. He decided last year that off the back of the World Cup at the end of the last season, he was off contract and he just wanted to take some time to go travel and, and do some other things and just be away from, from rugby league, which is, is pretty admirable for, for anyone to be able to decide to do that. Um, so he took his time and, and the Warriors have probably sought him out and said, hey, do you want to come back to play after having some time away? And uh, yeah, they've, uh, they, their recruitment manager, Andrew McFadden, has said um, he's keen to come back. He's still young. There's a lot of value and a lot of upside in Chanel. And uh, I can't wait to see him back on the field. There's going to be a bit of competition for spots. Tamari Martins at the Warriors now. Competition's um, always good. Sean Johnson obviously playing really well at number seven. He's off contract, so they'll be looking to see what uh, Sean wants to do. Um, but good move for Chanel and I can't wait to see him back. Yeah, very exciting stuff. 
Looking at the Parramatta Eels, Tiana Penatani has announced that she will not be with the club uh, for the upcoming NRLW season. She was the co-captain. She was there uh, for the past two years, which was a huge um, a huge thing for her because she never expected to do so. But she hasn't announced where she's going to next, but uh, we wish her all the best. Yeah, we certainly do. And um, she, she was a great um, contributor for that side. Um, a lot of the success was due to her leadership, I guess, and, and also the output on the field. So um, we'll keep our eyes peeled and our ears to the ground for where Tiana will end up in other signing news or the return of Corbin Baxter at the um, Oh, I'm the excited this, about this one. This is this is very exciting. Um, you know, she's been the, the team captain there at, at the Roosters before. Um, she's been around the game for a long time at the elite level and she's represented at, at the elite level. So it'll be great for them to have an experienced player and a quality player like Corbin back. Yeah, it certainly is. She just had a bub, I think, about four months ago. So to see her return. Little um, Bowden. Yes, beautiful baby as well. To see her return is hugely, hugely exciting for herself and the Roosters. Sticking with the NRLW, the signings news have been hot and consistent. And one that we just could not look past was Tyler Nathan Wong, who's of Maldi Heritage. She is a rugby sevens superstar and has signed with the St. George Illawarra Dragons. Yeah, there was a bit of build-up yesterday on social media. Jamie Soward, their coach. He loves and, announcing every announcement. Yeah. I'm about it. I'm about it, coach. I'm about it. He threw a little a little teaser out early in the day, said there was big news coming. And uh, yes, the announcement was for Tyler. Tyler's signing. And um, yeah, the, the, the Sevens players coming across to the NRLW is proving successful, I'd say. Most of them that have come across have been outstanding for their respective teams. I'm expecting Tyler to, to do the same. You've got a big rap on her. Yeah, I'm really excited. Yeah. I'm really excited. So much so I commented. Jamie Sow doesn't even know me, but I commented on the post. I said, holy signing. Flame emoji, <laughs> flame emoji, flame emoji. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Talking about Rugby Sevens, and um, four Black Ferns players have signed to the US Women's Seven competition. That is Stacey Walker, Mania Nuku, Tisha Ikanasia, and Kelsey Taniti. They join Ruby Tui, who will be competing also in the same competition. So a bit of movement in the Black Ferns. I don't think there's going to be anyone left in Tauranga, um, <laughs> but very, very exciting. Yeah, is, maybe you can tell me this, Sarah. Like how do their contracts work? Because they, they're able to um, go and play in different competitions throughout the year. Sometimes when players are contracted, they won't get released because you're worried about injuries. And obviously the, the Black Ferns are, are a pretty um, important team in that, New Zealand rugby setup to release players to go play in other competitions might make them a little bit nervous. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I don't really have a grasp on how their contracts work, but I assume they have some permission to move about in their off-season. It is a little bit of a risk, I think, to let them go. But I think when you're looking at these four players in particular who have been um, mainstays in their squad, I guess they're not really losing out because they're just continuing to play rugby. Yeah. So there's no real risk there. I mean, you run risk any time that you, you get on the field, but I'm sure there's some sort of leniency given to them. Yeah. Now, the World 7 Series um, finished up in London uh, last weekend, and in the men's, Samoa was able to re- win bronze after defeating the series champs, New Zealand, 24 to 19. So well done to Samoa for not a bad um, series, I guess, Samoa, didn't they? They had some, some good victories, and they, they came close on a number of occasions. They genuinely have had a good season. When you think about it, they've only missed out on the last automatic spot for the Olympic Games taken by Australia by one point in the final standing. So they still have a chance to make the Olympics through the Oceania uh, qualification round. But looking at that stop in particular, um, to be able to see two Pacifica nations um, be able to finish in second and third place, you can't really be mad about that. No, not at all. Well done to both teams, Fiji and Samoa. Now, a game that was of big interest on the weekend, and particularly for you, Sarah, because you were uh, participating in it, the Wallaroos versus Fijiana. 
Yes, this was a huge result for the Wallaroos to be able to beat Fijiana 22-5. to It was the ideal start to our international season. And as I've mentioned a few times before, every Australian girl has been heartbroken by Fijiana, so it was important for us to get a win. Do want to make mention, though, of Ashley Masters. She has played a hooker for us, um, even at World Cup, all throughout the last few uh, test seasons. But she donned the number six jersey, and she was so impressive. Three HR assists, over 20 tackles, um, and was just a force on both sides of the ball. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens next because we now prepare for the Black Ferns and we've got our UK girls coming back and there'll be a bit of push and shove for those back row uh, jerseys but nonetheless a solid result and um, I'm stoked that we got the win. I'm going to say that Ash's form was due to chatting with us. Is that right? You know what? It makes sense. The math is mathing. It (laughs) makes sense. The math is mathing. Some good tries too. Some pearl passes. She's just she's amazing and I don't want to keep saying that because her head grows immensely so I'm just going to leave it at that. (laughs) Now, Super Rugby News, Moana Pacifica, their coach, Amwonga, he's uh, announced that he is going to be resigning at the end of the, this current season. Yes, there's only two games left, so he'll see them out um, and, and go out. Hopefully on a high Moana, have had a winless season thus far. So if they could clutch a result, I think it would be nice. But he has contributed immensely to this side. They've only been in the, the competition for the past years and been there, helped them build. Um, but nonetheless, it's kind of sad to see him go, but it is what it is. Yes, it is what it is, a part of the, or I guess the nature of professional sport. But in another blow for Moana and Samoa, their best player uh, on their team, Levi Almua, he's um, announced, well, it it looks like he's going to be moving to the Crusaders and he's signing a New Zealand rugby contract. So... This is a big move. We're going to talk about this a little bit later in the show, but uh, this is this is huge. Yeah, it really is, purely because of how informal the play he has been and looking at Moana's uh, up and down success, he's been really consistent for them. So it's really sad to see him grow, but I guess there's a personal gain here in being able to play for such a formidable side like the Crusaders. So all the best to him, but can't wait to get stuck into it, and you can ask that. Coming up next, we have Talanoa time. Noah time on Can You Be More Pacific? Joining us for Talanoa Time, we have Cassie Siatanga. She is the Monusina 15 Vice Captain at the Oceana Championships, and we're grateful to have her on the show from the Gold Coast. Cassie, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. Well, we'll get started, and uh, Cassie, can you give our listeners a bit of uh, an insight as to who you are and, uh, and what you do? Yeah, uh, so my name is Cassie Siatanga. I'm of Samoan and Māori ethnicity. Uh, I'm the first wife slash vice captain of the Manusina team, and I'm from Christchurch, New Zealand. Cassie, you've had a pretty um, incredible rugby career to date. I know you've played over in Christchurch, played in Firepower Cup. So tell us a little bit more about your rugby journey and essentially what's led you um, to be able to don the, the national jersey for Samoa. Yeah, um, so I, I think everyone in New Zealand, you know, we start back in primary school and I, I played with the boys. So that was kind of, I think it's it's beneficial for us to play with the boys. It, it can help get our skill level up early and, you know, a bit more contact is always fun. <laughs> um, and then I uh, actually gave it up for a bit. I, I stopped playing rugby altogether. I um, moved to the States just after I finished high school and um, was on a softball scholarship over there. But then obviously... You start to miss the contact, I think. Uh, start to miss being able to kick the ball. That's that's my favourite thing to do. And then I um, moved back to New Zealand in 2018 and gave gave rugby another shot. Played four years, four or five years with the Canterbury FPC team. And, you know, that was a big step up FPC level. And then I, uh, I ended up 
you know, wanting to put my hand up for the black jersey, but then also the feeling when I did finally put on the blue jersey, I just feel like it wouldn't compare. Just, you know, it connects me back to my culture. It connects me back to my granddad. It was probably my biggest why. And yeah, I think even if I had put on that black jersey, I probably still wouldn't have cried at the national anthem. I still wouldn't have felt as proud as I did and, and connected to my culture. Yeah, there's something really special about being able to don the jersey that you know also means so much to your family as well, which you touched on there about your relationship with your grandfather. You spoke about a scholarship in softball. How did that eventuate and was that always part of the plan? Yeah, so I've played softball pretty much my whole life. Um, I I joined the Junior White Sox when I was probably 16 or 17. And so I went through those grades and then we had a World Series over in Canada. And they always send a lot of college scouts to um, to all the World Series and got offered, a, 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 I guess, a, scholar, a, full, a full-time athlete scholarship over in Texas. So I was over there for two years. And then I ended up moving over to California for my last two. And as much as I loved being a student athlete, it was, it was, it was hard. It was hard. I was away from home. Um, and, you know, like someone's any, any Pacific Island culture, our family is probably our biggest rock and, even though it was hard being away from them, I knew that what I was doing was for them. So that was probably my biggest. But I love, I love being home. There's nothing like home. Well, you speak about uh, your connection to your family and, and how important it is in, in Samoan culture in particular. Can you tell us a little bit about um, yourself as a, as a proud Samoan and, and, and what it means to you? Uh, how, how immersed are you in your own culture? Yeah. So the funny thing is, is I wasn't actually connected to my culture as, as much as I'd love to be. Um, being brought up in New Zealand and especially Christchurch, um, my family wasn't very in the Fasar way. Um, my granddad, you know, it's none of our faults. We, we have to put that on ourselves and we have to learn our culture. And um, yeah, my granddad passed away when I was quite young and he was the only one that was Fasar to any of us. So in terms of me being connected to my culture before Manusina, it was very... Um, hit or miss like you know I could do the tulo like the I knew the simple things but since being in camp and being with these girls they've never really made me feel like I'm a plastic you know um but it was hard for me because I was more I was I never really felt Samoan enough and then I never really felt moldy enough or European enough obviously my skin color has to do a lot with that but being in this group and with this group of girls and our management that made it and created a safe space for all of us that are going through the same cultural journey. And since being with the Manusina girls, I've actually picked up some Samoan language classes, even though they like to school me all the time here. It's nice to, um, <laughs> it's nice to yeah, connect back and learn, learn the language, learn our part of Samoan way. So in, in camp, is that something that you, you do daily as a group? Do you, do you practice um, customs or yeah. traditions as a group? Yeah, so um, we're, we're, we're big um, on on local and, you know, prayer. And every morning we have our local session and every afternoon just before dinner we have our local session and we actually differ it out to the rooms and we all run local. And what's been really cool about this year is a lot of the girls that are not so ingrained in the Fasal or the language have been stepping up to, you know, the girls will go through it, they'll write it out for us, they'll, you know, like, voice record it for us and just been real supportive in that aspect and yeah they've, they've never made it feel unsafe or you know like I, I mess up and don't say the right word they're not like laughing in my face <laughs> and there's a lot of our girls you know I think 
in New Zealand, there's a lot of people that still aren't as connected to the Whaasaa more. And it's been awesome. And I just wish everyone had the safe space to be able to ingrain themselves more. I mean, you highlight such an important aspect that when you're trying to learn about your culture and I guess still in your infancy of knowing much about it, being able to practice in a safe space is so, so important. For those joining us, we are speaking with Cassie Siangtanga. She is the Manusia Vice Captain. Cassie, speaking about the Oceania, you're obviously right now in the Gold Coast and your team is preparing for your first match. How has preparations been thus far and what did um, preparations look like in the lead up to coming into the Gold Coast? Uh, it's quite hard for us because we've got, um, we're based everywhere, like all around the world. Um, but I think the biggest thing is, you know, our management have been pushing us. As someone's, we don't love fitness, you know, but. Don't worry, Fijians don't either. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But we've been able to get around a group, a core group of girls. There's like three or four from each city. So we've been able to train together in, in our, in our sections and. I think the lead up this time is still quite short for us. We'd, we'd love to be together for a bit, a bit longer, but I think the girls really have their. Um, we're able to wing it really well, even though you know. But I think yeah, we've we've been we've been blessed to be able to actually play Sunnybank RFC the other night, and they gave us a scrimmage game, which was awesome. And it's awesome to see a lot of Samoans and Maldives actually over here, and, and some Fijians. There were some Fijians in there too, you know, like. We've been very blessed in that aspect, and mm. I think the girls are just the, the hissing, the hissing to play tomorrow. It feels like we've been trapped, just like leading up to it, and I just can't wait to see them put it out on the field. Who are you? Um, who are you expecting is going to be the probably the most difficult in terms of competition, or how are you expecting yourselves to go? Uh, I think you know we know Tonga is going to be a, 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 like us, very physical. Um, but that, I think one of our main focuses on this year was obviously the Fiji game last year. It still hurts us. So mm. <laughs> we still watch it back. And, you know, there's a lot of things that should have, you know, we should have finished. We should have drawn past. But it's been the ultimate push because, you know, we see the Fiji women over here winning the Super Rugby comp. And we'd love to be able to be in that space and then join them. So I think, yeah, probably we're excited to see PNG because, you know, they, they came off last year and we actually went into the changing rooms after the game and just had a talk to some of them and they want it just as much as us, you know, and they just need that wraparound support. And we've been, we've been grateful to be able to get that in Samoa and Tonga. I don't know about Tonga, I can't speak to Tonga, but, and Fiki, but it'd be nice if we can get some more wraparound support around that PNG team. So keep taking our Pacific women. I love it. Game day is tomorrow and I've got to ask, do you have a game day ritual? Uh, honestly, I just love music. I'll sit and listen to music. What song are you playing before you, what song are you playing on the bus on the way to, to the game? Oh, um, Dreams by J. Cole is probably like one of my favorites. Oh, good track. Good track. But I love some, um, A Boogie with a Hoodie. If you've ever heard, he's good. A Boogie with a Hoodie. I've never, I've never heard that, but I shall Spotify it after this. Cassie, you've had um, such an incredible career and the best thing about it is it's it's a story that's still writing itself. There'll be so many young athletes that look up to you, particularly those of Pacifica heritage. If you could share any bit of advice with them, what would that be? Just, you know, keep breaking down those barriers. There's, there's barriers there that are put up, you know, and 
if there's anything by this Oceanas is we're, we're able to break it. We're able to go out on the stage and show, you know, Pacific Islanders are strong. Our women are strong. We're naturally strong. We just have to hone into it. And yeah, just especially to our Samoa local girls, we wouldn't have a Manusina team if they didn't have a 15s comp. So, man, we're not far away. Just keep pushing, keep striving to put on your national colours, whatever colours those are. And we'll take we'll take six eight five to the world in the meantime. But you know, <laughs> I'm about that six eight five to the world. <laughs> Great advice, Cassie. Well, before we let you go, it's been great chatting with you about uh, your own career. We, we like to play uh, a game with all our guests called Tip On. Basically, it's 60 seconds of rapid-fire questions. We just want you to say the first thing that pops into your mind, uh, and we'll see how many you can get through. Are you down to play? Cool. Yeah. Let's do it. And the clock is on. What have you been binging? Snickers bars. <laughs> what is your coffee order? A latte, two sugars. Who is your most annoying teammate? Sui Pawaresa. Who is your sporting hero? Sui Pawaresa. <laughs> what would be your wrestler entrance song? Oh, uh, can I pass? Yep, Too pass. Many. What was your favourite movie as a kid? Blindside. What's something you could eat for a month straight? Ramen noodles. Favourite place you've travelled to? Amsterdam. Do you have a hidden talent? I want to say I can sing, but I'm not going to prove it. <laughs> <laughs> On a scale of one to ten, ten being the best, how good are you at keeping secrets? Seven. Who is your celebrity crush? Liam Hemsworth. <laughs> what would the title of your autobiography be? Breaking barriers. Ooh, nice. Ooh, solid. Okay, I love ramen noodles as well. <laughs> Big fan. I actually just had ramen earlier this week. Oh, yeah. Is there any good ramen places in, in, in the Gold Coast? Uh, there's nothing good in the Gold Coast. Sis. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't nothing good there, I tell you that much. I play. Oh, so New South supporters is what I'm hearing. Yes, heavy, heavy <laughs> on the news. It's also in the lead up to Origin, so I have nothing nice to say about Queensland. Oh, um, Lord. <laughs> Cassie, it has been so, so wonderful for us to be able to catch up with you. Thank you so much for your time, and we wish you and the Monocino all the best for the Oceania Championship, and hopefully you can go one better this year. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Thank you for having us, guys. You can ask that. Your chance to ask what it's really like to be an elite athlete on Can You Be More Pacific? This week, we want to uncover a little bit about uh, teams and talent. And this is on the back of the news that one of Pacifica's player, Levi Amua, has signed a two-year contract with the Crusaders. So the question I'm posing to us today, Dean, is should stacked teams be able to take players from lower-ranked teams? Good question, Sarah. I like that question because the NRL has a salary cap, which is supposed to... um, distribute talent equally amongst the squads. But you kind of see teams that start to rise to the top regularly with they seem to be stacked with more talent and it seems to be a place that players always want to go to. Whether that's because they have success in the past and they've just got a reputation for having a really good system that players want to go to to be a part of that's successful and an opportunity to win a premiership or um, because they manage their cap better and they can you know pay players 
per their market value and and it's a, it's an attractive sell to players. I'm not too sure, but um, look, it's it's one. You don't want to be taken away from from lower teams that are trying to establish themselves. So if I think about Moana Pacifica, they've only been around for a season and a half, right? And they haven't had a lot of success, so they need some support in trying to get um, to where they'd want to be in that competition. You want a a competitive competition. That's what the the organisers of Super Rugby would want. They don't want to introduce teams and they just forever languish down the bottom of the table. So... There's got to be some mechanisms or some 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 way for them to be able to keep talent or attract talent to their squads. I don't know what that looks like in Super Rugby. Yeah, looking at it, I mean, looking at Levi's situation in particular, I did kind of raise my eyebrow at first thinking, you're one of the best players. You're praised so much for the work that you do. I'll bet your team's not very successful at the moment, but also Rome wasn't built in a day. So I wonder that if Moana was a different side in the sense that perhaps they were six years deep into the competition, had um, some longevity in the game, way able to clock more wins um, more often, um, would the situation have been different? To me, it kind of irks me a little bit because the Crusaders are such an incredible side. They've accomplished things in, in world rugby that no other franchise has. So I think, damn, leave Levi so that he can, because he's one of the players that I'm sure will want to build their, their game plan around. But that being said, that's a very selfish approach of mine. Looking at the reasons as to why Levi's leaving, it's because he wants to be in all black and being in the Crusaders and being around that fold, um, I think is, is really important for him. And he also wants to sign to New Zealand rugby, which will, I guess, heighten his chances as well. So should teams be able to take... I don't necessarily think so. I think there needs to be some mechanisms in place to be able to retain talent. Otherwise, teams that are ranked at the bottom, which Moana currently are, how are they expected to get any better if some of their best players are continually poached by teams that are ranked much higher than them? So it's more so a question of what does it actually do to the competition when you take the best players from teams that are lower ranked? Yeah, it's it's that's yeah a good point. I think it's like how, how does a competition look when a team that struggles can't attract big talent or new talent or – um, can't at least get their roster to a position where they're very competitive long-term. Um, I, I don't begrudge Levi for making no, a decision. No, not at all. He, he wants to go uh, and play for the All Blacks, and that's the pathway. You go join a team like the Crusaders. Crusaders have um, churned out so many All Blacks in the past, so it makes sense that that's a stop for him, and he is a good player. I'm sure he'll go down there and um, you know cement a, a starting center position and then make his way up. But I also get to go into a, a, a like a successful organization. You learn so much. Like I, I always, like I love the clubs that I play with and the teams that I play with. But it, at the end of my career, I, go, I would love to spend some time down in Melbourne around Craig Bellamy and Frank Panisi, their head of mm. football, and their whole setup to understand about what makes that organization so successful over such a long period of time. Um, the Roosters are another example. You hear Brandon Smith talking about wanting to go to the Roosters from a good system to go to the Roosters to be a part of their system as well. So there's all those different things that attract a player, I guess, uh, and it's completely removed from salary cap and, and, and other things. It's just about the growth experience. Yeah, and you have to admit that in, in situations as such, it, you, there are some selfish motivations or personal motivations. And um, what I do appreciate about this whole I guess, argument is that he was quite upfront. Levi was very upfront with Moana Pacifica from the outset that he didn't really know what he wanted to do, but being an all black was very much something that he wanted to achieve. So there's no surprises there. I think if it was, um, you know, he bombed it on the last minute and everyone was like, what? You said you wanted to be here for a very long time. Then it'd be a very different conversation. But I guess to kind of round out this conversation, you say, play on, you should be able to. Don't like seeing it. Don't like seeing it, but. But. 
there's got to be more incentives for the lower teams or something, more mechanisms for the lower teams to try and be equitable. As always, Holly, good to get your thoughts. To all of our listeners, if you have a question, please feel free to contact us on Instagram. My handle is at Serenangala and this guy's is at Dean Hallitel. Can you be more Pacific on ABC Radio Australia? Oh, my God. Yo, it's Sarah and Dean talking all things sport across the Pacific. Stick around. We'll spotlight our favourite socials. But up next, I'll get to know one of our new sport reporters from PNG, Patricia Kayamo. Joining us on Can You Be More Pacific this week, we're very lucky to have Patricia Kiamo from uh, PNG. She's a reporter for the National Newspaper, a senior sports reporter. And Patricia is going to be bringing us uh, some sports news from across the Pacific, in particularly in PNG, throughout the course of the year. It's great to have you on board, Patricia. Hi, Dean. Nice to meet you. Thanks for having me. Firstly, if you could uh, just give our listeners a bit of insight uh, as to who you are and uh, where you're from. So, um... I'm 23 years old and I'm from Morobet and Oro province in PNG. Um, I've been a sports reporter for almost three years now. Um, I mostly cover uh, football, uh, tennis, squash, basketball, athletics and a little bit of everything. Patricia, you said you've been a sports reporter now for three years. How did you get into the role or what was uh, the driver behind becoming a sports journalist? Well, I, I actually grew up in a family that's sport-oriented, and I grew up playing soccer. So that's how um, I got to love um, sport. And when I started reporting, I was actually into hard news. But then we had an opening for a sports reporter. And um, the National, um, they didn't have a sports reporter for a couple, a female sports reporter for uh, for a couple of years. So I decided to give it a shot and turned out I loved it. So I've been here since. What what are the pathways like for for female sports journalists in PNG? You said that they hadn't had one at the national for a for a, a little while. Um, is there opportunities for for young women to get into sports journalism in PNG? Yes, there is, but um, we don't have a lot of female sports reporters in PNG. Um, it's more of a male dominated area. A lot of sports reporters in PNG are men, and we only have few. I'd say right now in Port Mosby, we probably have less than 10 female sports reporters, and I'm one of the few. And you mentioned you uh, you played soccer when you were younger, and football is one of the sports that, that you love to cover. Um, what was uh, your sporting career like as a soccer player? What, what position did you play, and uh, yeah, how, how, did, how did that go for you? Um, I grew up playing soccer as a child, and all the way to college um i play midfield and flank nice now uh sport obviously is is big in png and, and we cover a number of different um events and, and sporting competitions that do occur across there what's uh what's making news at the moment what's on the the sporting calendar that you're really interested in well for this year the biggest um sporting event that's um everyone's talking about in png is the pacific games uh, it's at the end of the year, but preparations have already started. Um, over 20 sporting codes are currently preparing for for the Pacific Games, and I'm following up on that. So uh, there's going to be selections, high-performance testing and screening leading up to um, the Pacific Games. So that's the biggest event for this year that I'm working towards. Apart from that, we have other national tournaments and regional tournaments that a uh, number of our national teams will be competing in. 
with the uh, Pacific Games at the end of the year, what what uh, what are the sports that PNG is probably most likely to to uh, have some success in? I guess. Well, um, definitely athletics and weightlifting. Those are the two sports that um, PNG always medal in, and they bring in most of the medals for PNG: athletics and weightlifting. We're chatting with PNG's uh, the national newspaper sport reporter Patricia Kiamo, and you're listening to Can You Be More Pacific on Radio Australia Sport Digital. Patricia, I guess is there a uh, a major sporting event that you've ever dreamt of covering? What's something that you'd love as a reporter to be able to to go and um, report on for the the newspaper? Um, I'd say it was the cricket last year. We had um a Tri-Nation series hosted here in PNG with USA and Namibia. It was one of the, um, one of the biggest um, tournaments hosted um, on shore that I've covered. Other than that, uh, most of the big tournaments that I've covered happens overseas, and I had to report remotely from here. I haven't had the chance to um, travel with the team and cover it, but I'd say the biggest one was the Tri-Nation series held here for cricket. And what about uh, other exciting sports stories that that you're covering at the moment? What's something that we're about to we're about to see uh, coming up in our news soon? Um, the under nineteen women's football team for PNG. So um, there's going to be um, an under nineteen championship for OFC next month, and PNG sending a team. The issue is um, we don't have an existing youth league to select. Um, a junior squad from and it's only a month away the tournament is only a month away and we talk about preparation putting together a squad and all that none of that has happened and out of the blue png is trying to send a team so that, that's one of the trending yeah uh, how does that how would uh, a team be assembled and come together before a tournament like that having no youth competition to be able to where does where does the talent come from and how do they prepare with such a short lead into a competition like that that's the thing. So I've reached out to the local FA here, PNG Football Association, and they've um, they told me that they will be selecting a squad from local member association who has running competitions in for junior divisions. They have under sixteen and under fifteen competitions going on. So that's where they're looking to select this their players from to put together a squad for that championship but I'm looking at the time frame between now and June 21st and it's just I don't see it happening to be honest. Well fingers crossed that uh, something can happen and, and they're able to, to get get together and get the team ready and get get over there to compete. Now um, is there any advice that you have Patricia for young aspiring sport reporters that, that may want to follow in your, your footsteps? I'd say it's time to break the cycle. We all know sport is a male-dominated a male, um, area, especially sport reporting. It comes with its challenges, but if I can do it, any other young female reporter out there can do it too. Sound advice, very good advice. Well, Patricia, it's been great to have you on the show. Um, we'd love for you to come back and, and share some of the stories from Papua New Guinea and, and what's happening in the world of sport. If you'd, uh, you'd be happy to do so. Yes, definitely. Thanks very much for that, Patricia. Appreciate your time. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Can you be more Pacific? Keeping it social. Sarah, time to jump into the social pages. What's happening? What have you found for us this week? 
My social of the week comes from the Melbourne Storm Instagram. So often we see some very doozy shots shown online, but how they're taken is often lost on us. But Xavier Coates uh, was summoned to create a in-flight photo, and it was hilarious seeing him take I think 11 attempts um, at trying to capture this shot in which he, it eventually got there, but um, it was just nice to be able to see the process because it was a little bit funny. Yeah, he'd love it when the Xavier Coates because he's so good in the air, but 11 takes. 11 takes. Have you had to do any like action shots, um, like scripted action, sh- action shots? No, I actually haven't. I've never, I'm not, I'm not that cool, hello. <laughs> I'm cool. cool, but I'm not that cool. Have but they're like, hey, t- can you come and do this have for Have you ever us? set up your own? I'm not about to expose myself on our radio show. <laughs> um, what about you, Hala? What did you find? Uh, I've gone to the NRL roast. Uh, Tyson Frizzell and Jerome Luai, they were involved in a little hair pulling incident earlier in the season. Jerome was trying to make a break. This was up in Newcastle and Tyson Frizzell has chased, it. chased him down, grabbed a fistful of um, Jerome's hair and... <laughs> Yanked him back. He got um, he got picked up by the match review committee. Uh, so it was it made a bit of news for a couple of weeks. Hair pulling players with long hair getting their hair pulled. But then they've gone into camp obviously together for Origin. And uh, there's a nice little picture on the roast page of, of these two. Well, it's their faces on um, a man and a woman sitting there. When Jerome's head has got like a long bit of hair coming at the top, and yeah, the, the man's behind doing his hair. I so love it. It's cute. Good it's roast. Very cute. Yeah. <laughs> And it's, the quote from Tyson is, no bad blood between us. It's nothing but a laugh. I might teach him how to plait it. That's good chat from him. Yeah. I like that. So that was my one. They just get on with the job. They got Origin next week. Well, they have to, they have to learn how to play together anyways. Big match coming. Pacific on ABC Radio Australia. Sarah, as always, there's lots of sport for us to cover across the weekend. What are you looking forward to this weekend? Well, first up definitely has to be football. The OFC Champions League 2023 final will be held. This will be played between Auckland City and Suva, hosted in Vanuatu, but both teams um, have had a, a solid trot heading into this final fixture where Suva beat AS Pire 4-2 and Auckland City beat uh, the hosting champion Infra Blackbird 5-4. So both teams are in good stead to um, go go at it. Yeah, and Auckland City are the defending champions, so they're looking to go back-to-back, uh, and they'll be hoping that's the case. That's, so that's the case, I should say. Suva, are you back in Suva? No. No? Sorry. I thought you asked if I was in Suva for the game. Are like, you are back you... in Suva? Oh, yes, I'm, I, am, I am back in Suva, yes. No, you, hear, you heard it here first. Sarah is not back in Suva. I don't create rumours like that. My community will come for me. <laughs> what about rugby, Sarah? What's going on in the world of rugby? Mate, everyone is hissing for the game that will happen this Sunday between the Barbarians and World 15. This is a chance for Eddie Jones and Steve Hansen. Two of the finest coaches in world rugby to go head-to-head. Eddie Jones, he will host uh, the Barbarians and Scott Hansen is coaching the World 15. What's awesome to see is the Pacifica representation within these sides. Looking at the Barbarians, Sam Karevi is there, Seta Temivalu, and then in the World 15, Viliana Mata, Samuel Ranjanja, and Marika Korombeta amongst those names as well. Also, Quaid Cooper is in the fold. It's, it's incredible. And I read this stat, there's over 1,200 and so international caps between both of these sides. So that means... Cracker footy. This is like there's so much talent on display, so much experience as well on display, both in the playing ranks, but also the two coaches that you mentioned. Just have have coaches like that. It, it really gives um, 
gives the game the stage that it deserves, right? Truly. It truly, truly does. A name also that will, um, that is amongst that list is Israel Falau. And it has been mentioned that a pride flag will be flown at this match. Now, we know the controversy that surrounded Israel Falau and his, his personal views on this, and which Steve Hansen has already spoken to it, saying that he sees no issue in this flag being flown. Those views are Israel's and certainly doesn't represent the team. So it's nice to be able to see that that part, I guess, of, of Israel's beliefs is kind of put on the back burner and, and the focus is very much on the team and, and celebrating all that's there and, and whoever they are. Well said, Sarah. Well said. Now, it's Super Rugby Pacific uh, this weekend. Mm. Game that's taking your eye, the Crusaders and the Waratahs. Yes, the Waratahs head over to Christchurch this weekend for this match. Why I'm really excited about this is because the Waratahs are four on the trot. They had a really poor start to the season, a bit clunky in parts, but they've really started to come together at the time that's most important for them. And the Crusaders, they're sitting very, very high on the ladder. So it'll be interesting to see where the Waratahs can do it. Crusaders are very hard to beat, one, but also to beat at home is another question. So if the Waratahs can do this, my guy, top four, we're coming for you. Finals berth. Good to see the Tars meet expectations, right? Because you spe- you said to me earlier in the year that they should be doing better than what they are. Obviously, they've had the run of games and they're, they're looking to burst into the top four, as you said, and uh, good news for the Tars. Yes, for the Tars. NRL round 13 is taking place this weekend. It's a shortened round due to origin next week, so only five games. Uh, the ones that I'm looking forward to, the Eels versus the Cowboys on Friday, uh, and the reason being the PNG Kummel's wing out Robert Darby will make his debut with the Cowboys. He's been named on the wing. And also the younger brother of current PNG 5'8", Kyle Lobart, his brother Zach will make his NRL debut. So great to see some Papua New Guinean representation in the NRL this weekend for the Cowboys. And the other match that I'm interested to watch, the Raiders versus the Rabbitohs. Uh, the Rabbitohs had a surprising loss, as I mentioned at the top of the show, to the Eels last week, but the Raiders are running hot. They're having a great season. Uh, both teams are going to be impacted by Origin, so I'd be interested to see how that plays out on Saturday. And then, of course, next week, Origin on Wednesday night. It's the best time of the year, honestly. There's all this excitement building. People do daily countdowns. They have been doing for the last sort of three, three or four weeks. Looking forward to this match. It's going to be uh, the men's on Wednesday and then the women's on Thursday, but the one that we'll be uh, watching and reporting back on is going to be the men's next Wednesday. Yes, we will be. And I just want to add, I was in Coogee the other day and I saw the boys training and I tell you what, Nathan Cleary, he's looking great. He's looking good. He's looking really good. Fit. Fit. Ready fast, to go. Fast. Yeah. Ready to always with you the should, boys. Have you heard him sing? Pardon? Have you heard him sing? Yeah, it's wonderful, but that's not what we're focusing on. Okay, he's talented sorry. in other areas. Oh, no, I shouldn't cut him down. Sorry. <laughs> I, lo- I love Nathan Cleary. Me too. Don't forget, you can catch Andrew Moore and the Grandstand Rugby League team calling all the games on Radio Australia. Unfortunately, that brings us to the end of the show, but we'll be back same time, same place next week. Don't forget, you can find all our episodes on the Radio Australia website or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Bye there. That's all I care. Can you be more Pacific? An ABC sport production for ABC Radio Australia. This program has been funded by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade.